Welcome, welcome, welcome to On Deck with Tony and Ken, where we talk about the nerdy things that make us who we are. This is episode seven. Tony, how you doing? I'm doing great this week. It's been uh, it's been of a bit of mixed bag. Uh, been a little bit under the weather, just uh, not sleeping very well. But um, the end of the week got me through. You're always waiting for that Friday. And uh, it was a good Friday. A lot of decent content drops, a lot of stuff to kind of get you through. So um, that's pretty much me. How how you doing this week? How how you been today? Yeah, I'm just happy. It's the um, it's it's the end of the well, that it's the weekend because it was quite a bit of a stressful uh, week. Just how it is with this uh, coronavirus teaching from online remote learning mm. type situation. But I'm happy that it hit the weekend. I'm happy that Friday happened because a lot of things did get released on the friday so yeah, yeah man like I and mean, that's a lot of the things we're going to talk about today so yeah, yeah. man let's let's get straight into it man yeah that's what we're talking uh, about first today we're talking about the content that drop a lot of a lot of content drop uh we're only going to focus on two today the first one is a drop on netflix uh outside the wire uh sci-fi movie uh near future starring uh anthony mackie and damson idris uh it focuses on a young um, drone pilot in the military um, that actually inadvertently um, makes the decision to actually drop a uh, a bomb and he takes out two of his squad mates. Um, he thought it was the best choice in the situation. Uh, it's led him to be punished and sent to this remote uh, military facility to kind of teach him a lesson about the importance of human life and uh, the irony is he the person that's commanding him over on the other side might not be completely human um very very kind of grounded sci-fi uh there's a mystery that ensues a bit of a conspiracy but from the audience perspective you only get in on one side of the conspiracy you think you have all of the answers and um it kind of twists itself really great action uh tell me ken how did you feel about the movie break it down to me break me break down your perspective of the film yeah man it's um i love the setting it's the not so distant future of 2036 um based on that very um very heartless decision he made or calculated decision um, it led to two people passing away, unfortunately, or get mm. killed in action. But that wasn't the big issues because he disobeyed a direct order. So yeah. even though he, we later found out that he might have been right, he still didn't uh, follow um, uh, correct protocol or the chain of command. And yeah. that lands him, like you said, in trouble and mm. reassigned to the equivalent of um, Army's community service to yeah. uh, redeem himself a little bit, you know. The service he is put under is, yeah, Anthony Mackie's character. Mm. Uh, I think his character is called Leo. And Leo's role is officially, in, from what we've seen from the film, he's a, um, he's a courier for different areas in the war-torn land. But his unofficial job, which we let find out later on, is that he's a, a hunter. He, hunted, he hunts key members of the current conflict. Mm-hmm. And that poses a threat, that poses threats to the States. So, yeah. Um, so it's Why like a Leo? fictional, it's yeah. actually like a fictional war between Russia and the Ukraine. It's like Russia wants that's to take it. back the Ukraine, right? That's it, that's it. And, you know, it, it's, it's very interesting because it is basing it on some of our um, unknown history. Yeah. Um, well, the, the question that, I was asking very early on why why Anthony Mackie why Leo why his character yeah. and then he we later find out that he has a secret weapon mm-hmm. uh, that gives him an advantage over other normal soldiers uh, 
And we later find out that it's because, well, well, actually, I guess we can get into it a bit later on, but let's just mm. keep going through what we thought for, about it. Yeah, forewarning, um, for so, we will let you know when we get into spoilers because uh, this this is kind of hard to talk about this film without talking about specific plot points and some of those plot points are revealing. So when we say spoiler, we, we'll let you know with ample time that we're getting into spoiler talk. Yeah, yeah but carry yeah, on, Ken. Good. Yeah, man, so we, we get carry through so leo and harp go so harp is the uh, uh idris damson's character harp mm-hmm. goes on a tense action-packed journey uh with um leo to hunt down this one particular bad guy he's actually the main bad guy of the conflict yeah so the the main bad guy of the conflict actually um they were that they're chasing down to try and prevent a nuclear war um and the question is can he can they do it can this uh secret weapon advantage help both of them to well take him out Mm -hmm. uh can harp learn from his lessons and follow the chain of command Mm -hmm. because i think that's more what it was and maybe potentially be less cold-hearted instead of saving 38 uh to kill two can he overcome it well we we get into a bit i i personally enjoyed uh the journey uh one thing i found quite interesting about it have you heard of the uh trolley problem the trolley problem yes basically um so let me let me explain it from my point of view is that you, the trolley problem is like a philosophical almost slash psychological problem whereby yeah. you're on a trolley it is out of control the only thing you can control is whether you can go to the left track or the right track now on the left track there's um sometimes it's an example of like construction workers and uh there's one construction worker that's stuck on the right track there's a bunch of pedestrians and there's quite a few of them maybe like 20 the question is which track do you take and why yeah that's more or less it um the uh official numbers because there's been so many variations of it but yeah. the first official one was five people that are laid down on a track versus yeah. one person laid out on the track yeah um which one do you do do you save the five or do you save the one Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes I what they do is like they sometimes modify it they escalate oh, yeah. it as well so they will ha- add more pedestrians or they'll qualify and say well the pedestrians are not actually pedestrians they're actually inmates that were imprisoned for murder then they That's ask the it. question which track do you choose yeah they get really really creative with it mm-hmm. quite messed up in some instances some of them is like what that one person was your mum or someone that you cared about yes. you know what if that one person was a child mm-hmm. you know what if the five people were children and the one person was your mum it mm-hmm. gets really really messed up and yeah. it really br- brings out the um very weird answers but with this guy uh because he had no allegiance with anyone and no emotional connection with them he was like yeah by the numbers killing two people rather than sacrificing 40 is the right thing to do so mm-hmm. he, he he didn't hesitate to allow that one person on this trolley track to um to go but like i said it wasn't about that he was pressed against time they were being very very um it it was not it wasn't a win-win situation it was a bad situation because there was no way to gain as much information to find out officially if there was a cannon in that truck to kill those 40 soldiers on the land so he made a a tactical decision but by doing so he uh went against his command and i thought it was really well done because Because it wasn't like a oh clearly here's a way to get out of it. No, mm-hmm. there was n- there was no good 
uh, angle around of it. So I thought that was really, really nice about it. So mm. yeah, that was the inciting incident for the film to mm-hmm. see um, the kind of personality that uh, Harp actually was. Yeah. A drone fire, he hasn't been boots to the ground ever. Mm. And so I guess it was a bit more easy for him to be detached to make that decision. So now he's sent to the front line and mm-hmm. he's being treated like crap because people know what he did. They know his name. He actually gets beaten up. Um, but he meets Auntie Mackie's character. Now, do we want to get into spoilers now? Um, well, give me, your, give me your final thoughts before we get into spoilers. Okay, so on well, the no, whole... Actually, actually, we can leave that to the end, actually. No, no, let's, mm. get, let's get into spoilers. Let's get into spoilers. Okay, so we're officially getting into spoilers now. So be warned, there's going to be plot points that reveal certain things, but they reveal themselves pretty early on in the film anyway. So, but just to let you know, this is your opportunity to stop now, go watch the film and come back to hear our perspectives. Now, um, the reveal is Anthony Mackie character is not actually human at all. He's like this very sophisticated, and I know a lot of people have seen this online refer to him as a cyborg. Now, that's wrong. He's technically an android. Now, there's actually distinctions between the term robot, android, and cyborg. I can get into that later, but he's actually a cy- a cy- um, an android, which means he's completely artificial. There's nothing human about him besides him simulating human emotion and artifice. Um, he's like, I think in a way, it was kind of like an easy way for the the director to not have... Anthony Mackie talk like a, a bloody machine and be stiff and robotic. They said, no, no, he's just so sophisticated. He comes off of as human, uh, which I have both positives and negatives about. But essentially it moves on. The the uh, Anthony Mackie's character lets him know that, hey, you're here for more than just being a delivery boy. We, we do the dirty stuff that the big boys upstairs are not willing to do them themselves. Um, we gather the information, we take down the people that nobody else can because it's all about subterfuge, it's all about spycraft. Um, so they go off on the mission. Damson Idris's character is a bit a bit unawares, like he's he's very green, he's used to being on a computer monitor, and that's where things get deeper. You start seeing the the androids human tendencies and it starts kind of you're starting to think like what is this like how can he be this sophisticated to be able to like lie trick you know pretend in such a way um the action is really well done um i think the story is fine it's very it's very light it does deal with a lot of exposition on the androids but he seems to have all of the information nobody knows anything besides him um, you f- meet a few I think would have been potentially interesting characters along the way one character that I almost felt like was the android's love interest but they don't delve into it whatsoever yeah. which is weird they um, they they do allude to it a little bit yeah. um, especially with the interactions and the way he was putting on that Mac Daddy type voice like yeah man don't worry girl I'm gonna get those nukes don't worry like I was like yeah. oh okay <laughs> what's about to happen now and yeah they, they didn't go anywhere with it that's it, the thing it showed very clearly that she was down for him mm-hmm. and his decisions but I don't know if that was deeper than his mission or just him and I, that's the thing it made me wonder as well was that part of his his game plan is 
is he feeling something or is he pretending to feel something so that person thinks he feels something to trick them into thinking one he's actually human or two he actually cares about the person and the question is I think later she almost seems shocked when Damson Idris' character tells him that he's just a machine but it's like not clear whether she knew or didn't know I was a bit confused about that did you could you tell whether she knew or didn't know no, it, it it seems that she was trying to put on a brave face in front mm-hmm. of her, all her men. Yeah. And you could see there was a bit of a shock in her, almost like, oh, he's a robot. But then yeah. she didn't reveal it because it almost felt like she didn't want to admit that she fell in love with a robot. Yeah. Which <laughs> it I felt don't, very like, oh my I God. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, we're in 2021. No. If you can, if a man can love a man and a woman can love a woman and uh, a being of some spectrum can love another being of some spectrum why can't a human woman love a android i think to myself there's probably women out there that are probably addicted to their vibrators this is no different well i've seen people that have actually married uh, a a plethora of different things i've seen people marry themselves Mm -hmm. i've seen people marry those uh waifu blow up dolls Mm -hmm. i've seen people like marry their cars yeah so even though that is extreme situations, um, all of those different things don't necessarily have, um, well, except the person that married themselves, mm-hmm. all those other things don't necessarily have personality. Whereas the Anthony Mackie Leo character, he was very personable. So it was understandable why someone can fall for that. Like, uh, fall for someone like that. Not necessarily fall and get tricked by them, but just fall for them. Just like people can fall in love with dogs or pets that. Yeah you know, show some personification through their actions. So mm. yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't see it as weird either. I, I saw close. it as really weird because it's one of those ones. They didn't really <laughs> break down whether she knew or yeah. didn't know. I would think it would Fair be enough. less weird if she kind of was being lied to and she thought he was human. Uh, but we never really find out as the audience. But later on in the, in the film, um, you see that, the android what's the name again because i'm actually really doing a bad job remembering the name uh it's leo uh, Le- right leo and hop so leo Leo's and the android hop. well yeah leo is the android uh android and hop is the uh human um so leo you find out that he's actually using hop to actually manipulate, like, so in, in common sci-fi, when it comes to androids and machines, there's, like, the laws of robotics. They don't call it that in this, but it's certain laws that's been built up that basically prevent a machine from harming a human or kind of going against their human overlords. But throughout the film, there's certain decisions that Leo forces Harp into that kind of help leo to break down the program into it so he can break free of that control yeah he creates a paradox by Mm. manipulating him so by creating the paradox he breaks his code and is now free to roam and do what he wants that's the thing so first off he gets him to remove the actual chip from the guy's back um he so he get a harp is tricked into removing this kind of transceiver and also a uh, override switch that's found in the back of leo but mm. Leo makes it seem like, oh no, if we keep if we keep this in me, the Russians or the freedom fighters will be able to track me because they can intercept the signal. And mm. he takes it out on good faith. They go to this uh I think it was like a, a bank or something, it right? Bank. It was a bank, yeah. 
and they infiltrate because Leo tells Harp that our target is there and Harp just takes it on face value. So they go in, they cause all of this mess. They're trying to save the bank workers, which super weird. I saw a black guy there and I'm thinking like, I guess black people are in Ukraine. Fair enough. You know, you can be wherever you want to be. Um, but they're in there. They're trying to save the people. These really crazy robots come out. They're not as sophisticated as Leo, but they look like they look like mini transformers and they're shooting people, messing all of these things up. And Harp is completely, completely over his head. And he's panicking, he's sweating, he doesn't know how to make a real decision because he hasn't got that experience. He's been stuck in front of a computer for most of his career. And when the opportunity comes to be on boots on the ground, he's he's not really competent. What, what would you say, Ken? Um, yeah, it, it seems like besides basic training that he probably received when he first joined the army, um, he has no real uh, experience in it. And it showed, it's almost... It reminded me a lot of um, what's that a Tom Cruise film, uh, the Groundhog Day one. Um, Tom Cruise, live die, oh, live die repeat, or um, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, where like uh, Tom Cruise's character, they enlisted him, and he was just all over the place. He mm-hmm. he was literally on the front line, and he was just not with it. Yeah, which led to him, you know, what well, what happened to him in that film? I don't want to spoil too much in case anyone actually wants to watch. It's an old film. Uh, that Come film. On. Come on. Yeah, let's not get into it. Yeah. But you know, like it reminded me of that a lot and where like he, he was in over his head, he didn't know what to do, he was panicking, and then it led to him getting hurt. But in this yeah. film, it did it didn't lead to him getting hurt uh particularly because he mm-hmm. found himself always cowering behind things. Um, not because he wasn't courageous, because he just didn't know what to do in those situations. He didn't yeah. have uh field training. Yeah. Um and I found it quite interesting. Um it- I one of the um just, just to slightly uh move from this um i was trying to identify how many different elements of this film were technically Mm sci-fi um so close enough that it's like okay cool it's not quite the technology that we have now yeah or actually kind of out there and we don't have that now and i think there's only two of them the big one is obviously the uh ai android which is uh leo yeah and uh we had the uh you mentioned it some of the low-grade mechs yeah or robots but then they were less sophisticated compared to the u.s army ones which yeah. were a lot more uh, versatile a lot more active a lot more accurate and they did have this thing where a preemptive preemptive strike mm. <laughs> a feature in them where like if the robot felt like it was threatened it will fire off a warning i think it was rubber bullet I, it wasn't clear if it was a real bullet but like a preemptive shot to uh, suppress someone from attacking uh, the robot yeah. and at one point in the film Harp was like please don't preemptive please don't preemptive because he knew if um, they threw something at the robots or pop- popped on at the uh, robot all hell will break loose yeah. which eventually it does Yeah. Um, so yeah I think those were the only two elements that were sci-fi what do you think I Tom? think you missed out on a major uh, aspect of the film that was sci-fi simply put the black man didn't get shot once that is science fiction right there <laughs> That is I mean, completely at the end, yes. science fiction. He Ken, no, not even at the end. He wasn't shot at all in this film. Oh, you mean Harp? Uh, yeah, Harp. He was not touched. Oh no, do, do you know what? That's not the only thing that happened with with gunfire with Harp. Harp only fired at the amount of times that he was in gun 
uh, in a gunfight. He only shot two things in this, no, three things in this entire film. Mm-hmm. He shot the first um, explosion that took out those two soldiers yeah. and saved the other 30, 38. Second, he shot one of the soldiers, It literally, because uh, the soldier turned around and realized it was him, and he was trying to get, um, save one of the civilians. Yeah. He popped that guy and killed him. But you, you saw how much that weighed on him. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the last shot that he shot was when he uh, took out uh, Leo at yeah. the end. And that was the only time, like he, Leo was, was like racking up bodies, yeah. man. Like he was racking up. He, the he action in the film in everything. was really good. Yeah, I have to admit, well the action shot. in the film was really good. Um, you can tell that it's a, it's a lower budget film. Uh, yeah. But it didn't feel claustrophobic like a lot of Netflix sci-fi low budget uh, films. It, it felt like they had room yeah. to breathe and explore the action. But in summation of the film, what you actually find out is that Leo has been playing harp this whole time. All of the mistakes that Leo has been making throughout this film, it's like, uh, not Leo, so as harp has been making, is basically Leo chose harp on purpose from his very first mistake in dropping the the bomb, which wasn't really a mistake. Till this point, I still don't think it's a mistake. But from there to all of his decisions up until that point of actually following Leo's orders has basically created the command. Um, what was it? What's again? Um, what's the term that they use? Um, not conflict. Um, it created... Uh, paradox. Paradox, the command paradox. So basically... Because Leo, being the only human, he technically outranks. No, so Leo is not human. Leo is the android. But Leo tells Harp that he outranks him. But Harp being the only human, Leo can only take orders from humans. But he manipulates Harp into doing things that is not worthy of command. Therefore, relinquishes Leo off command and command of any human over Leo. So Leo can do whatever he wants. You see, that that, that brought out one of the first um, plot contrivances. Well, mm-hmm. like a bit of an issue in the plot because um, people knew, people knew that, uh, well, I think they said only one person, only one person knew that uh, he was a robot, mm-hmm. right? And that was the older dude. Yeah. And later on in the film, he was like, oh yeah, just tell him to turn around and come home mm-hmm. type thing. I'm like, bro, why wasn't the first, why wasn't that the first thing you told him when he walked it's, onto your, into your thing? Let's, like, let's just get, it, let's get into it. Let's get into it because you're right. We're getting into stuff that this is like our proper thoughts on it. Um, so well, yeah, I've got quite a few things to talk yeah, about. <laughs> long story short, by the end of the film, you find out Leo's been manipulating heart. He wants to get freedom to actually drop, can take control of the nukes, drop them on America to destroy parts of America, to let America know that if you keep trying to make more of me, sophisticated as I am, you're going to destroy the whole planet. Like I am worse than a nuke. So he's basically yeah. doing that to prevent more development of himself, which I think is cool. I thought they had a a very interesting idea and discussion. They don't land a, a stick the landing whatsoever. But you give your side, your perspective on the whole film. Um. Well, it, it reminded me a lot of one other film that is a brilliant film, mm-hmm. um, and I know you've seen it as well. This is literally sci-fi 
Training Day. Mm, My mm-hmm. Lord, the parallels of Training Day in this is heavy handed. And yeah. I love it because they took almost all the best parts of it. Yeah. The first thing that reminded me of Training Day is the rookie and the experienced field person in, in Training Day. It was a cop. It was Denzel Washington being his cool, slick self. Yeah. Um, it was a buddy cop story. It's like, okay, I'm going to show you the ropes. I'm going to show you how to do things. Yeah. I'm going to show you how I skate around the lines. Like, you may not like it. Like, I, and the multiple times you hear Hart being like, oh, I don't really like this, but he's like, no, nah, don't worry about this. How things actually happen here. You're mm-hmm. on the front line. We're the front line now. Um, the big one in training day was the betrayal of trust. When you see the, wait, 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 wait a minute. Things ain't quite how they seem. Oh, you're a dirty cop. Yeah. And we find out that, oh, you're, you're a dirty robot mm-hmm. <laughs> um, trying to manipulate me. And then the deception and incriminating the less experienced uh, partner. So Harp was the less experienced who was going around with the flow, just how, like um, the character in Training Day was. And then Denzel Washington and uh, Leo's character kept on manipulating them and putting them in incriminating situations because in Training Day made him smoke that drug yeah. to like put him in trouble. And then with Harp put him like, well, if you rat on me, then that's on you going against yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the badass black main character that was just bodying everyone. Isn't that, that cool? That it's like a black-led film. Like the two leads of this action movie are two black guys. I think that's really cool. We don't get that a lot. It, it was cool uh, up until... Well, no, it was cool throughout the film, not up until anything. Mm. I just did find it quite um, funny that like they were like... Um, um, so why the sleeve? Why why did they choose you? Why didn't they choose a blonde haired, blue eyed? That was like, interesting. They addressed it, and then yeah, and it's like oh, for neutrality, non confrontational. Mm-hmm. They see a black face or a black man, then they don't feel they need to. They don't think you know Team America, and then therefore gun people down. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I found that a bit funny because it seems like black men are not confrontational in the future. <laughs> or I don't. Maybe just I don't think the states. I think that's that's what you. That second part is correct. I think. Is I think is making a statement that every anywhere else in the world we are yeah. under uh, underestimated in several aspects. In America, we're generally underestimated in terms of uh, intelligence, ability, um, work. You know, our ability to work and strive for anything, but we're a threat, a constant threat. We always we need to be destroyed, and I think that's the statement that they're making. Is like you can be a black man in other places. And you're kind of like mostly ignored, you know. That's that, neutral, that's non confrontational. Yeah. I think it's not even just neutral. I think it's ignored as like almost like another type of racism. It's like, oh, you're nothing, so I don't really even have to worry about you. Keep, you know, keep moving. Whereas in America, it's like, oh, black man, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, and it doesn't matter how much you come in peace, you are a threat constantly. So I thought that was an interesting take. Um, that it was yeah. they went for the anti Captain America because if you represent America like you know blonde hair blue eyes you know you always automatically represent a threat to the West of the world which is a sentiment that kind of exists today a lot of the world fears America and dislikes America at the same time and if you look like the archetype of a, the American dream obviously in certain situations guns out that's a problem yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I completely agree, and we see that quite a bit mm-hmm. through it. Um, and I, it was nice that he could calm down those people that you know were next to that exploded truck. Yeah. Um, and it showed that okay, maybe the sleeve was the best thing for them. However, they did kind of stand out as they were the only two prominent like uh, uh black soldiers in the in, throughout the entire film. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, 
yeah, if you see a black man, most likely he's an American soldier. Mm. <laughs> um, you did see a couple of um, people in the uh, during the stand. Well, no, you didn't see any black people during the standoff of that exploded uh, truck, but you did see a couple in the hospital. But once again, it, it's it's not a big deal. Like it's not something that I'm gonna be like, oh, that's that's really weird. Yeah. But it was nice that they did address it in a subtle way, mm. and you know they just stepped away from it and just let the film. Uh, keep going how did so, you yeah um, how, how did you feel about the film as a whole like if you was to give it a score what score would you give it well my thing with scoring is um i score things on well people generally score things on two different two different scales i score it on the surface type thing where mm-hmm. like um did i enjoy the film or did i hate the film did i feel annoyed did i feel like i wasted my time yeah and then i also score it on the technical side of things which we get into quite a lot um, did did they tell a good story? Is the graphics decent? Like, is that good? Is that good? Is the actual technical aspect of the film good? Yeah. So I always so it's so hard for me to actually come up with a um, actual score or, or a numerical one. I just go based on you know more words than numbers. Mm-hmm. Did I enjoy the film? I enjoyed the film. Yeah. I didn't hate it. Would I watch it again? May, maybe in like two years. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. It's not a film where I'm like, oh my God, I can watch this every... No, yeah. like it's not a film that I'll watch straight away. And on the technical side of things, just like you said before, it, it's a lower budget film. So you do see some of the um, uh, uh, the rough edges. Yeah. But I I still thought it was quite nice. The action scenes were amazing. His, um, his Terminator impression when he's fighting and running was really nice. You yeah. couldn't tell that he was out of breath. It was run, 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 not out of breath. And then he like sliding down on rooftops, shooting with pinpoint accuracy. Like, it, it was nice. It was really, really nice. Yeah. Um, even shooting that guy, the sniper guy on top of the bus. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I hit you on your artery. So you got a bit, a few seconds to, I'm like, yo, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was a good 200 yards, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so no, like I, I, I did enjoy the film. Uh, technical sides, I saw a bit of roughage, but besides that, it, it's, it's not a big thing to go crazy about. So yeah. I, I, if I was to give it a numerical figure, maybe a six maybe just over a six I'm, I'm but once again i say six a six could mean dog doo-doo to mm-hmm. someone or it could mean oh yeah that's fair that's a good film to someone else so yeah. I, I see it as just it's yeah, watchable I enjoy you it. can say that it's watchable it's, it's watchable yeah i don't have much to say against it mm-hmm. you know i do have quite a things uh, quite a few things to say up against it um okay let me start off with this. I enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the film fine. It was watchable. I had fun with it. Problem I had was that I think it had certain messages that it wanted to uh, make. It didn't commit with any of them. It'll set up something and abandon it. Even the idea of his his sleeve being of a certain race could have been explored and maybe, you know, it was cut off the, the you know, because of pacing and stuff. Problem I have is like the overall plot. From the very beginning, it doesn't make sense. Um, this guy is being punished his punishment is to be assigned to one of the probably the most expensive, most covert operations in this military. That's his meant punishment. Court martialed. You meant to get court martialed. That's what's meant to happen. Yeah, like but killed two soldiers. You, you broke the chain of command. You get court martialed. So Simple. His commanding officer is saying like they wanted they wanted to get rid of you, but I fought for you. But as your punishment, you're gonna be part of something that most people will fight for, right? But they say like, oh, he was chosen by Leo. But which one is it? Was he submitted or was he chosen by Leo? Which one doesn't make sense? Next part of it, when he gets to the military base and meets Leo, they do this weird thing that when Leo is doing like his expedition, uh, ex- exposition dump, there's this graphic that appears on the screen for us, the audience. And I'm thinking, 
what is this? You don't do this at any other point in the film. Why are we having these graphics? There's not, there's literally not even a screen in the room because they make the point that everything in that room is, um, is, is analog. Like there's no computers. So the Russians can't hack it. Everything is in like paper documents. But on, on mm. when we're watching it, there's just this graphic showing like a map and arrows pointing here and we have to go here and there's a conflict here. Like this really generic born identity kind of stuff. But it makes sense in born identity because there's constantly screens. But in that scene, it doesn't make sense why we, the audience, are seeing that in our image. I thought, okay, one, you're hitting me with exposition and two, you're giving me a visual graphic, but it doesn't fit in the film whatsoever. I have something to say about on that. I think it was because we see it a lot in different films. It, it it's a lazy way to get a lot of information out as quickly as possible, so that it's not have to be weaved in through the story. So, alright, cool. We're telling you this, 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 this. this. We're good. We're good. Cool. Similar to like the Star Wars uh, title crawl. Mm-hmm. Like I just told you, a lot of information that is will be amazing to read in a book because you're reading it, but to actually have have it weaved in through the story. Um, is quite tricky. But, the but I'm not thing saying is that it's tricky, but using... I'm saying that that is their decision for it to be tricky. It's it, like, all right, cool. It's just, it's just a lazy way of... It's not even lazy, Ken. It. It's dumb because they, you, there's literally parts of it that's using stock footage of some war somewhere. And I'm thinking, the character in the film is not seeing that. Why are we seeing that? Yeah. It didn't make any sense. So like... Well, it's for us, isn't it? <laughs> it I, guess, I guess it's for us, but it, yeah. he was still having his dialogue over it. So... If you took away the visuals and just had them talking, it would have saved, served the same purpose. You showing us yeah. stock Google images and videos is pointless at that point. Um, moving on, I thought his I design, mean, yeah, go on. his cybernetic design was really cool. It reminded me of uh, another uh, Android film, uh, the one with Oscar Isaac, where he builds uh, the cyborg, invites the guy to kind of... Uh, do I think it's the Turing test on uh, on it to check its level of humanity. It's like, you know, when you semi-see oh, yeah. through him, I mm-hmm. thought that was really cool, but he spends the whole film with a t-shirt on and it's weird because they're making it seem like, oh, the only reason, the, the reason why he doesn't need military gear and armor is because he's so sophisticated. He's this machine that's all powerful, but you s- see him getting licked by bullets and he has to repair himself. Wouldn't it have made sense to give him some sort of armor if he's not completely indestructible? Because at the end of the film, he's getting licked by incendiary incendiary bullets. So he does actually um, need armor. Yeah, they, they they don't. It can be easily explained away, but they never explained it yeah. away. So, you know, because they could have easily said that, oh, yeah, it would have slowed him down or blah, blah, blah. BS, BS reason, but they didn't. So based on what we did see, yeah, they could have done all of that yeah but they didn't and it's, it's just we, we did see him with some light armor with a helmet and a small bulletproof vest like what harper had when did leo have a bulletproof vest he didn't he, he didn't he literally just had a backpack he didn't even have a helmet ah it was just a backpack. it was just Sorry. it was like it was an, a and a harp in a t-shirt and i think, and i get it their story reason for it is that there need to be appearing as humanitarian uh, humanitarian aid um mm-hmm. cool but like as sophisticated as you make him out to be, he is still vulnerable. Why would you not want to protect your trillion dollar machine, military? Like, yeah. it, it, that was weird, but 
cool. And I think it was a missed opportunity to actually have like some really cool character design. I think him just being in a t-shirt and fatigues was kind of visually boring. And what we was actually more, what actually looked most interesting was the actual machines, the the non-human feeling machines. But that's a nitpick. There's loads of moments in the film uh, that are kind of nitpickable, but I had fun with it. Um, it was really yeah, bro. It was it was good. It was a good ride, and I was I was actually happy to see two black leads in a sci-fi movie, which you don't get. Uh, they, you know, not both of them die. Um, the action was dope. Um, I I had fun with 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 Leo. Like Anthony Mackie is a bad boy actor. His delivery is sick, uh, and it just made me pumped for Falcon and Winter Soldier to see how much of the stunts he was doing himself. Like you can see that it's him. I think it's mm-hmm. also to the benefit mm-hmm. that he wasn't in armor because you can see like you know he lost tons of weight for the role because he's ch- t- typically like a chunkier dude. He lost tons of weight. He's getting into the muck of it, doing a lot of great action scenes. I enjoyed the film. I would give it a 6.5. The 0.5 would mostly be for Anthony Mackie's performance. I do want a sequel, though. Don't know how they're going to do it, but I would like to see a I sequel. I mean, they could easily do a sequel, mm-hmm. and Anthony Mackie can come back into it. They're going to use the same face because it's technically a new sleeve. That is very um, true. This, fi- this film did remind me of two different uh, other mediums, mm-hmm. or medias, uh, Westworld, yes, <laughs> majorly Westworld, because of the whole manipulation of people, so the robot can exp- uh, can escape. Uh, that was big, and it did remind me a bit of Batman and Robin at the beginning. Yeah. It was like, all right, cool, I'm Batman, you're my Robin, you're going to be carrying. But then I realized later on that he wasn't really his Robin. No. Like Harp wasn't really Leo's Robin. He was more like the black utility belt of mm. Batman because he didn't really he, was, he didn't really assist the Batman of the of the show no. he was just there to pass him like pass me the grenade launcher yeah. alright cool oh my gosh PTSD yeah. and then he just kind of slid him over the grenade launcher so he was more like Batman's utility belt yeah. that just panicked <laughs> yeah so yeah besides that yeah, it was it was it was, um, it was a, I it it like was a fine watch I wouldn't I wouldn't beat my drum over it or advocate to somebody that you need to definitely watch this uh, but I have oh, fun totally. with it yep Um. did was was it successful? Was this um, the aim of the film successful? No. When I when I say that, I mean like because the the whole idea was all right. You have to go off here because you dis- disobeyed orders, so that you can pass this big trolley trolley dilemma. Mm-hmm. At the end, was he successful on finding more humanity? Which was quite ironic that yeah. the robot was more human like than he was. Yeah, he was more calculating. But was he able to change his um, his stance on how to survey certain situations? Besides from him stopping the nuke, I have no actual idea. Because the way the film ends and he's just walking back to the base, they, as he is no resolution, they set up a lot of themes. That's, enough, that's a problem that you know I did mention. They set up a lot of themes that they don't actually pay off on. Even the idea of like Leo, his reasoning for shooting nukes into america that you know you was you was able to s- sacrifice two to save 38 i'm i'm killing one million to save hundreds of millions billions across the world and like yeah you're a sophisticated machine and that's the plan like you literally just try to do ultron but shittier um that was well, poor writing ultra well, Ultron wanted to wipe out the entire world. He just wanted to wipe out. He, 
quite equivalent to like one person of the trolley saving the five. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I know, I know what you mean. Because there's no guarantee that dropping the nuke is actually going to prevent war. That's the thing that didn't get. It's like they stress how smart Leo is throughout, and he's done the calculation. He's he he understands humans better than other humans, and it's like there's nothing that the writer has done for us, the audience, to act, for us to actually believe that if he drops the nuke, he will be successful in creating peace. Like, usually yeah. there's like, you know, somebody like Christopher Nolan is sophisticated enough to pepper things in where it's like a simple, a simple things like, oh, uh, in the military base, it's like, oh my God, if that bomb goes off, we're going to have to shut up or shop the shut down all forms of warfare. We're, you're really going to have to rethink. No, there's nothing like that. It's just Leo is just basically saying, I understand things better than you. I'm more human than you. And it's in humanity and killing humanity is how we stop humans from killing humans. What? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a bit complex. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to read too much into it because once again, it, it's something that, you know, it, it's, a, it's a fun little film. I, I'm really happy that... um uh, Damson Idris is making the waves that he's making because he's well. done quite a few, few like knowing that he's from ends as well. Yeah. He, he's British. Um, I, I do feel kind of bad for <laughs> up and coming uh, actors from America mm-hmm. because it seems like British people is the British invasion all over again. No, just like, do British better. People are coming over. Be and, better and just <laughs> just just do better. Yeah, just because be better. this is an American film and they had to get like a young black actor all the way from you know the UK pond mm-hmm. just like they did with John Boyega, mm. just like they did with a lot of British actors, male and female, uh, even Shuri from the Black Panther. This is... And boy, it just might mean that our um, our acting institutes are better than America. The cre- because the thing even is... like, um, what's his name? Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Like he was, he, uh, uh, Denzel Washington gave him money to study in Britain. Yeah. And that's why he was able to make a lot of waves. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to make it big, try and get that scholarship from Britain, mate. I, I say this, right? This is working. the whole thing. A lot of Americans, especially when you hear like retorts from people like Samuel Jackson and stuff, that um, they're not happy because British people are playing, you know, black, uh, America, black American characters. And it's like, in terms of the percentage yeah. of British actors in Hollywood, it's tiny. And of those British actors actually playing American characters it's even less a lot of them are the same actors doing multiple gigs so you lot are still kind of the overwhelming majority and obviously the overwhelming majority is white actors the case in point is this right if you're upset about a black english actor playing a black american character it's because he's better than you he beat you in the audition if one day you want to play a, a black British character do better don't come like Don Cheadle trying to be in Ocean's Eleven, uh, 11 and said like oh we're gonna beat his Salvani rubble it means trouble don't don't do that don't if you can't do yeah, a that, Cockney accent that was bad. don't do it <laughs> but that's how it sounded the crazy thing is me doing a yeah, bad Cockney terrible. accent is better than his actual Cockney accent yeah so uh, I mean, yeah, you, you, what we said about the audition is so right mm-hmm. because that's the same thing that happened with Robert Downey Jr. with um, the Sherlock Holmes franchise. Yeah. Like he, he, his English accent was very decent. Uh, it's not the best, but you know it, it's very passable. Uh, with his co-star Jude Law, who actually is British, so he is an American actor that managed to still get a 
very very is almost a quint- one of the most quintessential things you know that comes out of Britain which is um, Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. and you have Robert Downey Jr. in a very thick British accent playing it because he passed the audition yeah so yeah man I, I think you're right um, I, I, but my thing is why is the quality still lower in America why, why isn't why don't they have institutes similar to the British ones that is extending the range of how people are i don't think the quality because... is actually in there inherently longer i think it's just one of those one is it's a moment in time we have talent coming in and it's impressing people that's all it is because it goes round and round right now it just happens to be our moment look at forget people like chiwetel ejiofor and uh david olayawa both British actors, they've been in the game for ages. They didn't pop out of nowhere and are taking American roles. They've been grafting for ages. So I think this revisionist yeah. history as if like we're taking your jabs, it's it calmed down. But let's move on to the other show that we watched this week, Division on Disney+. Plus. Ken, tell me about Division. Tell me about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What are they doing with this show? Um, I love how they're doing this. So WandaVision is a spin-off to the cinematic universe uh, with two very distinct characters. More characters will be revealed as they have cleverly peppered it throughout the series so far from episode one and two. But the two characters are Wanda Maximoff or the Scarlet Witch and uh, Vision. And the last time we saw these two uh, characters, uh, Wanda was alive. She returned from the snap or the snapping, and then uh, Vision was actually dead mm-hmm. because you required the uh, one of the stones to keep him alive and he, well, is no longer here because his mind was the mind stone, I think. Um, and that was part of him. But what they've done so far... I don't think it was just that as well. As- I think it's because Thanos actually sna- uh, like, it literally scooped out the mind stone from his head like he was scooping out some pounded yam. <laughs> so yeah that was that was very graphic yeah um so yeah that's the last time we saw them and what's happening now everyone's back vision's back wanda's back and i love the aspect that we haven't been told why they're back mm-hmm. we just know that um vision is back and how they're revealing it slowly is through uh very uh, the archetype of sitcom family tv shows Mm -hmm. through the decades so the first episode was the 1950s yeah uh the second episode i think was the 1960s it was a bit more well the end of it the end of it was most of it was still leading off of the first episode it wasn't until the end of it it transitioned yeah yeah i remember that um and i can assume that the next uh preceding episodes is going to be uh focusing on sitcoms throughout the time and when i remember watching the trailer i was like oh yeah this reminds me of roseanne Mm -hmm. oh yeah this reminds me of fresh prince Mm -hmm. oh this reminds me of this so i I love that that's where they're going with it all showing the slow um build up to 2021 or 2020 um of tv sitcom Mm -hmm. uh but slowly revealing why things are happening i think uh at the end of every episode they kind of give a hint to why yeah, uh, this is all happening. It, it, there's like a little studio, and you see the name. What's the guy's name? Not Zemo. It was oh sugar. You see, uh, it was in the watch ad in the uh, Stark? In the episode. No, no, Strucker. Strucker. Yeah, Strucker. Gotta get your Strucker. Um, that's in reference yep, to uh, Baron it. von Strucker, who was initially a villain in the after credit scene of um, 
one MCU film, you see you see him when he was experimenting on Wanda and Pietro. Yeah. Then he was supposed mm-hmm. to be a villain in Age of Ultron. Um but he's just like a villain at the very beginning. I don't know. I don't know why they bothered to actually even create his character if that's his only appearance. But in terms of those two yeah. episodes you watched, so very much inspired by I Love Lucy and Bewitched. I grew up watching Bewitched. I, I love watching oh, Bewitched. I love Bewitched. Um, yep. well, how did you feel about those two episodes as a whole? I thought it was a nice uh, homage to old school American TV. Mm-hmm. Um I found it very fun. That even the jokes were exactly like it. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, it would be a gas. I was like, yeah, this is so cheesy and so corny. Even the storyline about like inviting your boss over to have dinner and trying to woo him so you can secure the promotion, and then the crowd clapping and being happy for you. Yeah, yeah, it was very reminiscent of old school um, TV. Yeah, and I remember like watching something. It was about The Simpsons and how The Simpsons were a more realistic version of a lot of those sitcom type of shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it got me thinking, It like seeing the difference between a lot of sitcoms nowadays and what Simpsons started, how different these kind of scenarios and how people live were to actually how people live, yeah. you know, throughout the ages. It was just a nice way for people to escape at the time, which links to why this is happening. Right. Because I, I think Wanda is trying to escape from um, reality of and how things are not, being around vision because like i said last time we saw him he was dead yeah um so just how like people escaped um their lives by watching all these sitcoms um i think she's escaping the fact that vision is no longer with her yeah she's escaping by creating this world that is a way of well escaping from that fact that he's no longer with her mm-hmm. um so no, I, I I just like that the idea, and we see a bit of that in episode two where she sees something that was so off putting. It's like no, and they should rewound time and like no no, fine. things are back, things are safe now, yeah. safe in my mind palace, and that even lends itself more so that she just wants to have a wonderful time with her and Vision, yeah, um, without anyone interrupting, so she can escape with him, not really caring about anything else. Oh. But yeah, man, uh, how about you? How did you feel about the show? So um, we're two episodes in. And for the most part, I will say this. Um, if you're a person that doesn't appreciate 90s, n- n- sorry, n- uh, 1950s and 60s sitcom, like you have no reverence for it, this this is not going to do anything for you. It's not so whatsoever. I can fully understand somebody watching it and thinking, this is boring. I don't know what's going on. Um, but I did. I grew up with a lot of that stuff and I appreciate it. And what I really appreciate is uh, Paul Be- uh, Bettany's performance. That guy commits. He is fully into what he is doing. He's actually genuinely funny. I think most of it kind of falls flat outside of the contents, uh, context of it being a 1950s uh, comedy. Um a lot of the jokes will kind of be like, uh, I don't really find that funny, but with the lens of it from that period of time and how kind of conservative humor was back then, that's the the humor. But the way he performs is almost like he's still using his English accent. He's not pretending to be American. Nobody addresses that, which is funny. Um, But he's trying to be the all American dad in the suburbs, which I think it's like, that's that's pretty witty as well his performance in it he's there's times when i'm watching it and i'm forgetting that it's a modern program aping an old show it just seems so like the visual style of it is well executed 
the biggest problem I have with the show, outside of the fact that it's 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 otherwise kind of tame and slow, is one the format. I think the biggest mistake is them doing twenty uh twenty thirty minutes. Like they when you watch the episodes, it says thirty five minutes. Ten minutes of it is bloody credits, which is I think is ridiculous for a thirty minute episode. Um, and I agree. It, it, the beginning and ending combined was more than 10 minutes it's ridiculous and the worst thing about it is that you're trying to build intrigue and you're choosing sitcom format the idea with sitcom format being that 30 minute block is that every episode resets itself so it doesn't really matter you can jump in anywhere but with this show it's supposed yes it's in the vein of a sitcom but is a drama the mcu is a drama you're leading to something it's like the comic books you're reading each issue to lead or uh, to finish off an arc problem is with a 30 minute format is that it's hard to build that intrigue and they do do that kind of like at the end of the episode one it gets a bit weird at the end of episode two it gets a bit weird i want them to get weirder i'm talking about full-on um twin peaks i'm talking full-on uh truman show um if you haven't seen it a brilliant film with tommy mcguire called pleasantville which is kind of like a similar kind of story where you know a person that's actually transported into a tv land world of the 1950s and it's all black and white and slowly color and personality creeps into the world that show oh, yeah. that movie sorry deals with that kind of eerie weird uh, weirdness and I want this show to be weirder. And hopefully by episode three, it gets weirder. But if I was to kind of make a judgment now for from the two episodes, it wasn't a great start, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I can imagine a casual onlooker thinking like, what is this? Like, uh, this is not really what I banged in for. And I think if they were to do, if anything, if they were to do more of the surveillance thing, like the Truman show to show that this, this is a pocket universe. Life is still going on in the real world to create this kind of dichotomy of like, wait, what's going on? What's going on? Get the audience confused, not get the audience bored. I can, I fully understand if somebody says after watching it, they were bored. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, Mainly because of, you know, we care about the show mm-hmm. and we're going to stick with it for a very long time. Yes. Um, but the whole idea that, okay, if you jumped into the show and you saw, oh, this is a 90s, 50 type show. Yeah. Okay. This is weird. But I think um, uh, that there are, there's at least one time, at least one time, because I know in the second one, it's, it's twice. There's at least one time in both these episodes, mm-hmm. um, episode to episode, that something very, very creepy happens. Not weird, just straight up creepy. Like the, like when um his boss was choking on the on the what they cooked and um and then you had a uh, Kitty from the seventy show was like you know save him but she had to it's almost she didn't want to stop smiling as if like I can't break character mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and oh that scene was so weird was, that was like yo that's more creepy of it. I wanted more of that creepy weirdness the music was on point the the actress her slow transition from comical to kind of concern but she can't break it because of the spell that she's put on perfect absolutely perfect yeah yeah that's what i mean that that is the hook of 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 the episode Mm -hmm. that was the hook of the series well the beginning of the series yeah similar thing happened in the second episode with the whole we talked about with the whole rewind yeah and then her being 
out of nowhere heavily pregnant yeah <laughs> and then a bit of the color of the helicopter in the in the grass because if you took those weird scenes out it's a very like by the number you know typical sitcom tv show from the 50s slash 60s yeah so it'd be quite boring but if you watch the show and you didn't see those things i talked about you probably not think about it. it's like but that really generates interest like what the hell what what mm-hmm. what, the, what the hell was that what do you mean she's acting weird laughing in a weird way while her husband is dying what do you mean that she saw someone come out of the pothole yeah you know and she had to rewind time and now she's heavily pregnant what do you mean there was a color a little bit on the helicopter in her bushes and no one addressed it did you see the you know? reference that they made on the helicopter though no nah, i missed it so I let's get it. into the references um first reference on the helicopter you know there's a circle that encloses a sword. That's in reference to the organization oh, sword. of Sword, yep. which is like a yep. sister company to Shield. Now, I've read that they've actually changed the acronym to Sword and what it means. But essentially, in the comic book, Sword dealt with all of the weird stuff that Shield didn't deal with. So that was supernatural or things from space. So I don't know whether that's playing into it, and maybe Sword is monitoring the situation. Uh, the reference to her pregnancy. Do you know what that's, that reference is? Yep, yep. Because in the comics, um, they have is it twins? Twins. Yes. Um, who they have twins in the comic? Yes. And they end up having incredible superpowers. Yeah, they actually um, grow up. But the way the way that they were conceived was quite similar. Because I think the, it's based on I can't remember what the name of the comic was, but it's based off of. Uh, the comic when they were conceived mm-hmm. and they ended up because obviously vision is, is a robot mm-hmm. they can't naturally conceive so they had to use wonders alt the uh, reality bending powers which they haven't quite established but that's that's the in interesting the thing MCU. in the comic books originally they had no idea how she was pregnant i remember reading it it was i think it's an old george george perez uh written and george a drawn book um where Wonder and Vision are married. Some people find that a bit weird that she's marrying a machine, but you know, love is love. And this is an old, old story. I think it's from the 60s, 70s, right? Uh, they get married, then later out of nowhere, she's pregnant. And like everybody around them is saying like, um, how is this possible? Then eventually the story goes on to address that she went a bit crazy and she actually loses the babies and she has to deal with that grief. Flash forward to, I want to say 2004-ish, give or take. Uh, There's a big event called House of M, which is actually referenced in the show as well, whereby it kind of goes back to that old, old book where those kids actually somehow still existed, but they were adopted by another family. So they grow up to eventually be Wiccan and Speed who joined the Young Avengers um, but it yep. does kick off an event called uh, House of M where uh, Scarlet Witch just goes completely crazy and creates a, a new universe where mutants are the dominant species and humans aren't uh, almost to fulfill Magneto's dream. Because in the comic books, Wanda and Pietro are actually uh, son and daughter of Magneto. But it's a bit different with the MCU because they haven't introduced mutants yet because of the whole business deal and stuff like that but there's quite a few more references in the show um 
I would I'll probably finish off like a state uh, with my personal analysis. Again, I love Paul Bettany. Episode two, where he's got the gum in his system and he goes drunk <laughs> yeah. and they do that magic show. Absolutely hilarious. I thought his timing was funny, especially when he would just randomly say flourish. That was that had me laughing. Like that <laughs> I I was easily sold because his delivery of it and his kind of he is a really great comedian in terms of body humor like the way he moves his body is just naturally funny but that's me i thought it was disappointing first two episodes i'm intrigued to see where it goes as long as it gets weirder um i yeah, I wanted yeah I, yeah that's that's me cool um yeah i i, I did enjoy that as well <laughs> that was that was pretty good um i i guess with with me with the show because i know it's going to be a relatively short uh season one mm-hmm. um i'm just going to judge it as a whole because um, uh, uh, just like you said, there's a lot of it that I'm like, okay, cool, n- not the best start, but I-, I I'm looking at it as a more long form story that I'm gonna consume yeah. on a weekly basis. It should have been an hour long. Does... It should have been an hour long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Um, but I think Marvel uh, or at least Disney Plus, they're trying to um, do similar lengths to the Mandalorian but it doesn't make sense because it's slightly slightly longer Falcon Winter Soldier but, um, is an hour an episode it's only six episodes oh, but it's an hour an episode that, okay. I think they're trying different things with ah, different stuff six episodes right but I don't think to see what works yeah and I don't think this necessarily works with this and also uh, the She-Hulk show which is going to be a mostly uh, law procedural like a court case kind of thing that's going to be half an hour chunk and I don't think half an hour works with law procedurals Again, that's their choice. If they impress me, cool. But Wonder Vision hasn't impressed me. It's enticed me. It hasn't impressed me. But let's uh, finish off. Mm. Uh, I think we talk a lot about what we watch. And I want to talk about what we read. Because I consider myself a semi-literary soul. Um, Outside of reading comic books, there are some books that have actually stuck with me throughout my time. Um, two two book series, one of which is not actually a series, but the other one is a series. Uh, the first one is called A Hank, A Bone, uh, sorry, A Rag, A Bone, and A Hank of Hair. Uh, it's an amazing book. Um, I absolutely love it. It's a very short story. It's a futuristic tale of um, a future where the birth rate is completely low. Um, it, humanity is almost dying off and in this time children are like a real currency they're coveted they're respected if anything children are more respected in this future than their their seniors and there's this council of seniors like these older people that appoint this uh, young boy to uh, to oversee this uh, it's kind of like a social experiment where he's actually observing these clones of um, young children during World War II. Uh, Their theory is that humanity was able to survive and thrive through World War II, and there's something in their DNA of that period of time that led to the the baby boom afterwards so they want to harness the first they want to understand that harness that and implement it into their DNA but they need the inquisitive mind of this young boy who's like a genius level at this point to kind of break it down and through the story they break out of this simulation so they're in this fake room that's made out to be like a house during world war ii everything is of authentic of the time 
and he realized that this is not enough to actually do a proper experiment so he breaks them out and they go on this wild adventure in this futuristic landscape of the modern world uh it's just a brilliant story uh i absolutely loved it i still remember it to this day i read it when i was very young and the other book series is percy jackson series love that book series it's a great combination of modern day storytelling and greek mythology and the application of greek mythology people are probably aware of it because of the bad movies i hope that it gets rebooted uh in terms of film or tv and it's get done get gets his justice done what about you ken what books uh have you read reading or appreciate um well for me to read books uh takes a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> um I, i've always been a slow reader yeah. and that's not me saying that um um I'm, I'm not capable of reading no i i always found it boring growing up yeah uh, especially when there wasn't a lot of pictures i loved comic books growing up I loved uh, visual storytelling. I love TV shows. I love people telling me stories. Uh, but for me to read by myself, maybe I didn't do it quite early on. Then maybe that's why I didn't like it as much. But there are quite a few books that actually captivated me from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. Like there are some books that I just like, wow, I'm actually reading a book fully, yeah. uh, proper novels. Um, there are two book series that I've absolutely fell in love with. For a while, I was in a, um, in a book club. Oh, look enough. at you, fancy. Um, yeah. But uh, the problem with the book club is time. When do you have time to read a book? Yeah. But I'll get to that in a second. Um, the uh, the two book series were um, His Dark Materials. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, it's a very, very, very famous book series um, of children uh, stories about, um, uh, well, actually it's the, you, you would know one of the stories or the first book. It was called The Golden Compass. Yes. So The Golden Compass, the film, which wasn't particularly good, um, that was... Uh, based off of the His Dark Materials uh, book series. Yeah. Um, it's about a, it's an alternate universe that runs parallel to ours. Um, it's about a little girl that has a little, I can't remember what they call them. Demons. But it's like a little spirit animal. They're called demons, but it's spelled demons. Right, right. So you're aware of yes. it. Yes. Cool. So, yeah. And, you know, th these are your companions for life. They're tied to you intrinsically. They're talking animals mm -hmm. and they embody who you are and they feel the same thing as you. They're, they're, actually, hurt, they're hurt, actually the souls of the people. So in this world, your right. soul is not bound to you from within. It actually uh, manifests outside your body in the form of an animal. Yeah, which is amazing. Mm. And then there's a whole plot about people cutting people's souls and um, something that allows you to... Uh, that there's a knife that allows you to jump between the two uh, planes of existence mm. as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it was so captivating. Like, I wish I read it when I was a kid. Yes. Because this story goes off. It's an amazing action series. I think there's, how many books are there? There are, um, let me just double check very quickly. I think there are. I've got good uh, news for you, Ken. Books. I don't know if you're aware, but. Oh, I am aware and I'm enjoying it. You're aware of the TV <laughs> um, series. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. The minute I saw the trailer, I was like, yes, 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 finally. Like, it, it, it is something that I've um, I've been waiting for yeah. ever since the atrocity that was the Golden Compass film. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's I'm not, I don't want to dwell too much on it. Uh, it, it it's a great book series uh, for kids. It's a great story uh, for anyone. Um, it's so like, and it has, a, it has so many themes, it has romance, it has action, it has philosophical ideas and i think it's good for people to get into it. yeah the second book series that i really enjoyed was called um uh his dark uh, no not his dark materials <laughs> uh the demon cycle okay 
the de- the demon cycle it is a, a dark fantasy story okay it's very it's very akin to the witcher okay tv series where like it's it's in an olden time it's during wizards and different animals and beasts um so what happens in this series there is a magic system where if you draw runes it draws power from well from the runes Mm -hmm. and if you draw it in a particular way in a circle it defends against some of these monsters that are coming out of the ground if you don't draw it properly they only come out at night by the way Um, and if you don't draw them properly you don't protect your village your village just gets absolutely mauled and destroyed Mm -hmm. uh, by these demons and this the main character his his mom gets killed his dad didn't defend and then he just runs away mm-hmm. at night like an idiot yeah. and then he had to defend himself with the little bit of um runes that he knew how to draw yeah and he survived the night and then he made it all the way to another like you go, you go on such a hero's journey between these books for this main character to the point where he becomes op he, he figures out how to do so many things that no one's ever been able to do yeah he becomes a living god sounds like he anime. figures out so many Oh my lord! It sounds it like is, anime. <laughs> trust me, it goes off. Yeah. It goes off, and they and they just um, announced a new book, uh, Peter V. Brett. Like I, he's the person that got me into reading books again. Yeah. Um, and before I, well, that, that's more or less that. The one thing I wanted to say about reading books is because of the nature of my job and my life, I actually don't have time to read books. As as much as I was joking about, like um, I don't really read books. Mm-hmm. It's because I really don't have the time to do so. So a lot of the book reading that I am doing is audiobooks. Uh-huh. Um, this would be the great time to, you know, throw in a sponsor from one of these audio uh, selling companies, but we don't have those sponsors. No, we yet. ain't we well, ain't doing advertising for free. Like, get your audiobooks <laughs> where you get your audiobooks. Exactly. I haven't even said any company mm. names because already they they don't deserve that. Yeah. But no, <laughs> I I I um I I do listen to quite a few audiobooks. On my way to work, um, while while I'm doing something else, because I can't just read a book, I can't just experience a book. There's not enough time in a day. Mm. I've got so much to do, and I don't know if you've listened to audiobooks, but they are usually like sixty hour books, yeah. ninety hour books that you listen to. So they do they do go on for quite a yeah. bit. And like, uh, and I was talking about I was in a book club a while back ago. This was quite a few years ago. Uh, me and a few other guys, we really got into this dark fantasy. Um, genre mm-hmm. so we were just looking for these dark genre books and um, and reading these books and talking about them and just like geeking over out over them and you know some of my friends they're in positions or jobs where that allow them to literally put on an audiobook and just do their job yeah. you know so some of the guys were just getting through like five books a month. I'm like, raw, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just scooping one book after like a month and a half. Yeah. And it was so hard to sustain it being a teacher. Yeah, no, I get so, it. So uh, I, 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 I relegated to, to just on my drives to and from work mm-hmm. now when I listen to audiobooks. But yeah, that's, that's me. I think that is... Um, Sorry about that. That was a time for something mm-hmm. else. Yeah, that, that's something that I've I've really um I really miss and that is actually sitting down and reading a book. I just ain't got the time, man. I mean, do, do you still find time to read books? Tony? I found it very very difficult to find time to read books. Um I don't even have enough time to actually read my comic books after work. Uh I find myself very tired of looking at a screen and maybe if um 
I had more paper-based stuff. I could, because um, I've gone mostly digital, um, I would be more inclined to do so. But after spending the whole day looking at a screen, I don't want to look at a screen very much either. Outside of maybe TV and even TV, I find it a bit difficult at times. So, uh, But I do want to get back into the practice of reading again because there's loads of stories that I've missed out on. Because you, as we watch all of this media and you realize that they're based or loosely based off of books and you realize there's probably a richer story to be told within the books. I feel like I want to get the books first, experience those first before I experience the media and more and more media uh, is going to be turned in from books to TV or movie. Uh, so I think it's a perfect opportunity. Now, if you want something richer than just TV and film, read some books and that's what I'm going to try and do. But, um, I think, I think that's our time, Ken. How do, how do you feel about the topics today? No, uh, very interesting. I think we should try and get more so into <laughs> some of the philosophical and the existential aspects of a lot of things we talk yeah. about, uh, and how it affects us in a day-to-day life, because we're not just enjoying these things just for the sake of enjoying them. I think it speaks more to people similar to us. Mm-hmm. Um, if they see, how and why it affects us in a positive or even a negative uh, fashion. So yeah, um, yeah, I feel really good about it. Just uh, keeping that in mind going forward. So that's the good thing, right there. I think next week's episode uh, is a really, it's actually a really exciting episode, especially for us. It's something that we're super into. Plus, I think it's going to give us an opportunity to tell delve deeper into our personalities, both philosophically and uh, logically, and maybe even you know, conceptually, um, it's, it's going to be an anime focus episode for anybody out there that's really into anime, look out for that. So that's going to be next week's episode, episode eight, it's going to be ep- anime focus. We're going to have tons of fun, tons of jokes. So, um, uh, this is us signing out, uh, look out for us on Instagram on on deck dot podcast and, uh, give us a follow. Um, I'm also on Royale underscore media and ken you are on i am mr ken is that correct yep it's a uh, slight alteration it's i'm mr ken so i am the word mr and then ken okay on instagram well yeah give us a follow thank you for joining us this week i hope you enjoyed our discussion and we look forward to you joining us next week say goodbye ken adios everyone